to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We're currently in chapter 4 at verse 13. Hi there, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we, in verse 13 of chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, where Paul writes this. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So here we are in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, in the middle of this chapter, and we've already talked about the, the, um, the life in the world that uh, Paul begins in chapter 4, verse 1. That is a, a description of the way we walk or the way we behave, the way we live out our lives on this earth. And that section began in chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, but the first uh, three chapters talked about our position in Christ and had to do with those things which are true about us, whether we feel them or experience them or uh, know, know about them even, but they are still true because they are the work of God that has established us in Christ if we are believers in Christ, if we've repented of our sins and placed our trust in Jesus as, our, as the payment, as the substitute for our sins, then we are what the Bible calls uh, being born again. And there are certain things that are just true about us uh, when we have done that and uh, when we have been brought to saving faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, our behavior in the world is being addressed, and uh, and that begins chapter 4 and verse 1. We, uh, we are in this section talking about the worthy walk. Now, later, we're going to talk about the different walk, or you might call it the unique walk. Uh, that's coming up in future episodes in chapter 4. And then uh, the loving walk is in chapter 5, uh, at least the first part of chapter 5, and then uh, becomes uh, the wise walk, and that finishes up chapter 5 and the first few verses of chapter 6. So that kind of gives you an idea of where we're going here. The worthy walk has to do with our unity in Christ, and that's what he established in the first six verses. And then verses uh, 7 through 12 of chapter 4 is talking about our variety. And so our unity isn't the same as our variety. And what I mean by that is, is um, we're not talking about always being unanimous or that uh, we are uniform or that uh, we have some sort of uniformity 
guilty uh, about the way uh, we dress or the way we think, uh, but uh, there is a, a unity that's established because of what uh, Jesus has done for us and, and because of how we have got to this point or this place in our life to having, uh, having been a part of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit has placed us into Christ and we are therefore one because we are in him and he is one. But that does not uh, um, that does not uh, blow away our our uh, different personalities. Number one, but it also uh, the Holy Spirit does something else than just establish unity. He Himself is the author of a certain variety in the body, and that variety is most expressed in in the um, in the exercise of the spiritual gifts He has given to each individual person, and uh, that's verses seven through twelve. Now uh, there is a purpose in all this, both our unity and our variety that's been established by the Spirit of God dwelling within us, by the Spirit of God placing us into Christ, by the Spirit of God distributing the gifts according to his own will uh, to each one individually. Because of that work, then we have uh, have a purpose, and that purpose is maturity. It isn't just the idea of memorizing Bible verses, even though that's a good thing to do. It isn't just uh, being schooled or educated in the things about the Bible, uh, although that's a good thing as well. But it has to do with with growing. It has to do with maturity. It has to do with the fact that uh, we were once in one place in our spiritual life, and we are now growing in our spiritual life. That is a continued process until it is finally and ultimately completed. But this is what we find ourselves with in verse 13. And as you notice, uh, when I began reading verse 13, that is technically the beginning uh, that is not, uh, excuse me, it is not the beginning of the verse uh, or of a sentence, that, that is, that uh, the sentence actually began in verse 11, where he talks about these various gifts, and particularly these ministerial gifts, you might say, that he has given to the body of Christ, and that includes he gave some as apostles. Those are the uh, those are the, those uh, in the beginning who established the church, who were the foundation of the church, as well as the prophets, who were the vehicles by which uh, God gave new revelation, new truth that had not yet been revealed in the Old Testament. And so because of these gifts, as well as the uh, the others that are listed here, and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers, and the purpose there is for the equipping of the saints for the work of service or the work of ministry. All of us are should be uh, all of us should be involved in ministry, and uh, that ministry it comes by not by accident, but by being equipped. And we are equipped by those who are gifted uh, to do the equipping part. And uh, that's uh, that's the result of our growth is that we become equipped uh, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up the body of Christ. And then verse 13 begins where we began in this episode, and that is until we all attain to the unity of, of the faith. So there is a, a target um, in, involved in this 
this uh, maturity or this growth. This growth has been established by the fact that we are not all alike. We have different gifts. And by having variety of gifts, then we contribute to the growth of each other in the areas of our gifts into other people's lives where perhaps the weaknesses that they have are strengthened by our gifts or vice versa. And that's exactly what uh, what we have here uh, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. So there is an equipping and then there is a building up. And that's why the gifts are there is to do those two things with the purpose of attaining to the unity of the faith. And when he talks about the faith that way with the definite article in front uh, of the word, he's not just talking about saving faith that we exercise uh, upon Christ in order to be saved or to be born again, but he's talking about the faith in the sense that there there is a body of truth that uh, that establishes why and how we trust in Christ and uh, the, those those things that establish the truth by which we are saved, the gospel by which we are saved, that is the, the faith. In, in other words, that comprises the object of, of who we're trusting in, why we're trusting in him. And uh, there are uh, various things that, that contribute to the faith. Um, in uh, Acts chapter 6, verse 7, the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. That means they they were, yes, they were being born again by exercising saving faith upon the Lord Jesus. But uh, it also meant that they were acknowledging the truth of Jesus' claims about being the Messiah, but being the Messiah who carried their sins with him to the cross. And that was a, a significant uh, part of their, uh, uh, their understanding of why they are trusting in this particular person, this Jesus of Nazareth, who took their sins to the cross with him, who rose again from the grave, and who has, is now giving them eternal life. And that is the faith. And um, Galatians chapter 1, verse 23 says, but, uh, but only they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And that is, of course, uh, the Galatians' uh, understanding of the rumors about the apostle Paul. And, uh, and yet it, they use this kind of language. He has now become a part of the faith. And so it's not just the idea of saving faith on an individual basis uh, and the exercise of that trust upon the Lord Jesus, but it is the body of truth that comprise our faith. And uh, that means there is a certain doctrine, you might say, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of his death, the doctrine of his substitutionary atonement, the, the doctrine of his burial and resurrection, the doctrine of, of being uh, uh, visible on this earth, the doctrine of his ascension. All of those things are a part of the faith, because without those things, then we, uh, we don't have 
the the complete picture. We may have enough to save us, but uh, we still need that complete picture, and that's called the faith. Uh, Titus chapter 1 verse 4 says, to Titus, my true child, in a common faith. In Jude, it says, verse 3, beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity necessity, excuse me, uh, to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once uh, for all handed down to the saints. So there is this idea that the faith is a is a uh, a composite of a number of things that we believe in because we've trusted Jesus as our Savior. And uh, and the, those things uh, require a certain amount of agreement. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. So there is a certain sense in which we come to an, uh, an agreement about certain ideas that we're, we believe in. Otherwise, uh, if we leave out certain of these ideas, um, we may disagree about a lot of things. But if we, if we leave out the ingredients of the most, uh, most essential things, then uh, that comprise our faith, then we are not living in that kind of unity. And that's exactly why uh, we are a part of the body of Christ and why we have these gifts, why the Holy Spirit is gifting these people to equip us so that we can thereby grow. And as we grow, we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. So, We want to know Jesus. We want to know him. He is the son of God, and we want to know him. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So now Paul is answering his own prayer for this congregation that they know Jesus and know him more closely. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. We're back, and uh, in the middle of uh, this passage, but also in the middle of this verse 13, where he talks about that we attain to the unity of faith, but the unity of the faith not only involves what we believe, but who we know. Look at this, of, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And because as we get to know Him, is this is this is not just about Bible study. It is not just about Bible or biblical scholarship. This isn't just about 
uh, Bible academics. This is about getting to know a person. And yes, it involves academics. It involves uh, understanding the Bible and uh, all of those other things. But in the final uh, analysis, it is growing into knowing him. And as we know him, we grow into a mature man. That means complete. That doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean we become perfect, but it does mean that we grow up, that we become spiritual adults and we begin to act differently because now we have a maturity about us that's that's significant and that uh, shows out in our character. And that's what the maturity is all about, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. You see, Jesus wants to fill us. He is, he is, uh, he is wanting to transform us, and he's going to fill us with himself. But that takes a little bit of time. It also takes the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of the truth of God in our hearts. That does mean Bible study. It does mean Bible academics, but it also means the Spirit of God taking what we know and what we learn and transforming our character. And uh, it's not enough just to quote Bible verses. It is whether or not you are growing in Christ to be more like him. And that's what uh, this whole passage here is all about, a mature man. And growing in that maturity comes from the knowledge of him. Paul understood this. He understood this so completely that he gives almost an entire chapter, but at least a a major chunk out of Philippians chapter 3, where he says in verse 8 of uh, uh, Philippians 3, more than that, he says, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and me found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So Paul makes this very personal. That's what's involved here. This is a personal interaction. This is not just uh, an educational uh, kind of accomplishment. This is a, a personal relationship that continues to grow. And as we know him, we live him out in our life. And as he lives his life in us, then uh, then we become more mature because we become more like him. And that's what uh, this whole passage is uh, concerned with, uh, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. He fills us. He makes us mature. We begin in our character to begin to look like him. Now, our personalities may not uh, change at all, but our character does. And that character that reflects those things that are Christ-like in character becomes ours and uh, becomes something that uh, others can notice and see. And so then he says in verse 14, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. So he is adding to this 
that not only is there a maturity and a unity that is a part of our target, you might say, a part of our goal, a part of what God has is, is, uh, set out for us, but also it is to keep us with a certain kind of stability. We need that stability because, after all, if we don't know what we believe or if we don't know whom we're talking to or whom we're walking with, then... Uh, then this is all kind of useless, and we become victims of a, a variety of hucksters and, and scam artists who want to uh, take us down their religious road. And uh, that is a very sad uh, occasion, and Paul wants uh, these people to be protected against that. We are no longer to be children, and that, uh, that word children here means uh, uh, infants, or little ones. And that means we no longer just follow whoever gives us the, the next flash in the pan or the, uh, the, the nice compliments or the nice uh, flattery. We're no longer uh, following those people who just treat us well and therefore they must be good people. No, we follow those who are of the truth. And so he says, we're, we're not to be uh, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by winds of doctrine. And uh, we're not to be susceptible to those things that cause us to go for first to this and this and this and uh, this other and uh, following all sorts of ways. We need to be settled. We need to be stable in understanding exactly what the truth of God teaches. And, um, and especially because why? Because there are those around who have trickery and craftiness of deceitful scheming. There are enemies of the cross. There are enemies of Christ. There are enemies of Christianity. They are, they are enemies of us if we're standing for Jesus, and yet they want to... Um, they want to captivate us. They want to capture us. They want to hold us into their domination, into their popularity, into becoming a part of their empire when it is not at all uh, 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 concerned about the things of Christ. And so we're not to be infants. We're not to be children. Um, it says in in First um, uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, he says, when I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. So we are to grow up spiritually. We're not to be just immature believers. We are to grow. And, um, uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, though he is an owner of everything. So uh, the child of the king uh, in, in the culture of that day, you couldn't tell the difference between them and the children of the, uh, of the household servants. But when they became mature, when they grew up and became of age, then it makes all the difference in the world. Verse 3 of Galatians chapter 4 says, So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things. And the Hebrews uh, chapter uh, 5, verses 13 and 14, it says, For everyone who partakes of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So there is a certain maturity that is expected by the by the writers of scriptures, so that we are to grow up and, um, and uh, not to be susceptible to, by the tricks and the craftiness of men. 
Uh, that word trickery of men has to do with, with gambling. It has to do with throwing dice, literally. And uh, don't be involved in someone who just uh, is more interested in their own popularity and attracting you to them by just uh, taking verses out of context and, and sleight of hand. That's exactly the t- kind of kind of thing that uh, Paul is warning us about here. Uh, don't don't be susceptible to that. Don't follow these people who are just out to trick you into following them, and especially those who are trying to get money out of you uh, just by following them. And uh, this is their methodology. Uh, it, the craftiness is another word, as a synonym for this. Uh, clever and skillful, a deliberate strategy they have in order to motivate you to believe what they believe and motivate you to follow them and give them your money. Uh, it says in uh, verse uh, verse uh, 17 of chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, Paul says, For we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, as but as from God, we speak in Christ the, the, in the sight of God. So we are speaking the truth, it says. Uh, uh, Paul says, uh, I, we're not about trying to peddle God's word uh, as if it's uh, something to be sold or something to, to be used as a manipulation tool uh, to get people's money out of. And so it says, don't, don't follow those kinds of people who are, who are skillful, they're professionals at trying to deceive you and scheme and strategize you to become a part of their empire. Verse 15, it says, but speaking the truth in love. And that is part of what is uh, involved in biblical love and biblical truth is the balance of both of those things. Don't follow empty deception, but instead follow the truth. In fact, Paul gave a warning to the elders of this church of Ephesus. Uh, He gave them a warning that uh, he says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things and uh, to draw away disciples after them. So he knows that even in his, uh, uh, even in his favorite church, you might say, uh, he knows that there is still a, um, a certain, uh, kind of, uh, 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 the, a certain kind of susceptibility or a certain kind of, of, uh, uh, vulnerability to the fact of being tricked, of being, uh, hoodwinked, of being led astray, of being deceived. And so uh, he knows that there's going to be these wolves, and he pr- he tries to warn them ahead of time uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, and that would be in uh, Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 30, where he, he confronts, or at least he exhorts the elders at Ephesus. He says, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. We have an image, uh, and that image is Jesus himself. That image is the head of the body, and that is the Messiah, the Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. And he's he's moving into this biological metaphor where before he, he uh, talked about uh, 
an architectural metaphor, but uh, now he's talking about this this uh, biological metaphor. We are members of his body, and we are growing. We are following the head as he is guiding us, and he is he is contributing to our welfare, our growth, our understanding of who he is. Then we become more like him. We are growing into him by by what every joint supplies. Look at that. A joint means that as members of his body, we are joined together in a in a certain fashion that produces growth. And that's what he's talking about. Our relationships to each other contribute to each other's growth. And as we grow, we grow in maturity toward him. And the proper working of each individual part, that is part of what what causes us to grow is each of us grows and our relationships grows. And as our relationships grow, then we grow again. And so it builds on each other. It says, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We value this growth. We value that because we know that as we grow in him, we become more like him. And as we become more like him, we mature. And as we mature, we are continuing to build up ourselves and build up each other. Thank you, Father, for these words that give us a direction, gives us a perspective, gives us a hope, gives us an image of where we're headed in our Christian life and in our relationships to each other as congregations. Thank you, Father, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are being made in His image and that you are using each one of us into each one of us so that we all grow together into him. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.